And somebody can do that to me with just words and just the energetic of their body and just the way that they look at me and, and say a command. So I love that shit so much. It's just like, like play with my mind. Yes. <laughs> love that. Welcome to Sweet Release. sweet release thank you I really appreciate you being here well it's my honor thank you babe um so you are a a licensed therapist Mm -hmm. and psychologist you're a doctor Dr. Kat yeah and so you have a lot of um just knowledge about just educating and coaching and working with therapy you have kind of a special um just kind of niche where you talk about sex and just psychedelics. And so you work a lot with ketamine-assisted therapy Mm -hmm. and a lot of other kind of psychedelic therapy experiences to help people move through trauma Mm -hmm. and heal. Yeah. And so I'm really happy to have you here today because I talk a lot about how you can heal trauma through kink, and I would love to start off with I mean, we'll definitely talk about kink because I know you have (laughs) some knowledge in that space, but I would love to start off with, you know, psychedelics and how, how you, how do you think you can enhance your relationships and sex with psychedelics? Yeah. Start off. Amazing. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's dive in. (laughs) (laughs) So, so how, how do you feel about that? Like how, how can you enhance sex with psychedelics? Like What is your experience with that, with teaching individuals? Yeah, so as it relates to, you know, I'm assuming that you're doing, you're talking about people exploring for themselves with with psychedelics. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and before all of that, I want to premise that I am not encouraging that psychedelics are for everyone, you know, just being very safe around this because there are people that um, either medications are counterintuitive or mental health and family history are counterintuitive. Um, I also believe that there's many safety precautions around it, you know, things like we need to set consent before we consume any sort of substances because it increases the threshold of what we would tolerate. And so otherwise we might get do things that we wouldn't otherwise say yes to. Or we also want to be mindful of um, safety as in um, knowing what substance that we're taking, testing our, our substances, um, recognizing that some of us can um, even have psychotic breaks. So it's just that's that's important to emphasize even before we get into it, just because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think out there a lot of people are talking about sex and psychedelics, you know, do psychedelics, mm-hmm. sex and, you know, while you're doing psychedelics. And I just want to make sure everybody's, like, taking this with reverence and really taking care of their safety aspect around it. Uh, but then as it relates to sex, like, I see psychedelics being able to help us redefine what sex is. You know, so many of us, and, you know, being a part of the kink community, you know, you've learned you had a sexual awakening where you're like, wait, sex doesn't have to be just like genital focus and penetration and, you know, this genital uh, orgasm, this contraction orgasm, but it can help us to see that sex is, can be an energetic experience. You know, it can be just, a, a you know, this flow of the subtle energy um, and texture 
between our bodies or we can dissolve the boundaries between us and the other person and the world around us you know uh psychedelics can teach us that sex can be this super meditative experience or that it can be a very intimate connective affectionate experience and it doesn't have to be penetration or you know so it really just helps us to expand beyond this narrow definition that i think we've all been conditioned to believe that that's what sex is Mm -hmm. no that's so true and I like how you're talking about energy because when I think of kink or psychedelics it's all about like just this different flow of energy that Mm -hmm. you get when you're experiencing intimacy with yourself or with a partner and so that's really a good point to mention and um yeah I I love that because psychedelics is just an additive that you can experience and of course we all have to be careful Mm -hmm. (laughs) so thank you for mentioning that as well um do you feel like when you're um like what would it look like when you use some of these therapy techniques in your practice could you explain how how that looks yeah so in a therapeutic environment when I'm working with clients it's um, I'm using specifically ketamine assisted therapy so ketamine is the medicine that we use and then it just depends on what the goal of the treatment is so if it's an individual person that I'm working with sometimes we're focusing on um, topics around like what's blocking their sexuality Um, sometimes I work a lot with individuals who have sexual trauma in their background um, and then in, in that session, uh, I meet with people three times and have a talk session that helps to prepare them for the experience. I create a whole modality that helps them to be able to connect with their emotions, connect with their body intellect, um, to be able to meet the different parts of themselves and, and, and create this framework for them so that when they experience the ketamine, and I use lozenge, uh, so they'll take the lozenge and set the intention for themselves. And then they recline back with an eye mask and they're fully in dialogue with me while their eyes are closed and they go into these incredible experiences, whether it's meeting themselves, younger versions of of themselves, um, parts of them that reveal the blocks that might be happening or... Um, sometimes they travel into outer space and other dimensions. <laughs> sometimes it's just um, me, you know, asking them questions and then being able to to follow their own inner healing and their own inner wisdom. Uh, and then throughout that process, I'm also using sound as a as a tool to help facilitate, you know, whether it's um, stuck emotion or stuck energy or somatic releases in their body. So it's a whole experience that begins from the first session of preparation and then all the way through the integration session, which happens after the dosing session so that they're able to uh, make sense of some of the symbology or some of the, the parts that they might not otherwise fully understand until somebody's holding that space for them to comprehend. Mm-hmm. So that's with a single person. And then Uh, I also work with couples, and so sometimes that looks like the two couples are in their own individual journeys next to each other. Sometimes they're facing each other and having a a dialogue, which ketamine really facilitates vulnerability and verbal lubrication and clarity of thought so that they can more easily have some of these dialogues that they might otherwise get stuck outside of therapy. Uh, And then sometimes it's one client holding the the space for the other client who's in the dosing experience and so in that sense it's it's sort of like shifting 
sometimes it's shifting the power dynamics so that one person can be more of the caregiver and holder and, and witnessing the vulnerability of the other person, which, I, which is really powerful to just kind of like shake up the stagnant dance that they've gotten themselves stuck mm-hmm. in. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's incredible. It sounds like an amazing experience. I've definitely um, heard from a lot of, I mean, it's kind of an up-and-coming practice, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of new things coming out about it. Do you, have you kind of studied it a lot? Is it a part of your, um, yeah, how, how do you even study that when it's still so new? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been, so I've been in this, in the psychedelic world, the cere- especially the um, ceremony world, more of like psilocybin and um, ayahuasca ceremony world for years, probably about nine, ten years now. And then um, for the ketamine, it's been more of uh, two, three years that I've been working with that clinically. And before that, I just dove into understanding psychedelics. I really wanted to comprehend what was going on here. I've been a sex therapist for um, also probably like 10 or 11 years. And, And so now it's learning a whole new language to integrate the two pieces together and understand how they how they dance together. Um, there is, so I've done ketamine assisted therapy training. So this was with therapists, this is with doctors, um, to be able to understand how this could be applied in a clinical setting and a therapeutic environment. And then, so then it's just bringing the different, uh, modalities that I've experienced over the years, you know, even concepts that I learned in the BDSM community help, have helped make sense to me what I'm doing in this space or what I'm you know, facilitating here, uh, especially the concept of, of boundedness or containment. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you think of someone in a rope scene, you know, if you have somebody who's a really good top, they are present, they are grounded in themselves, they've created a sense of safety with um, negotiation and encouragement, meaning like non-judgment for the person that they're tying to be able to fully surrender. But if they don't feel safe, if they haven't you know, negotiated their desires or their boundaries or they feel like the other person might judge them, they're not gonna be able to fully surrender. Mm-hmm. And so the same concept can apply when I'm holding space for somebody in psychedelics. You know, we're negotiating, we're, I'm so present. I am grounded in my own self. I'm not dysregulated in my own self, and I'm encouraging. And it, and it just is beautiful to be able to watch people just melt in front of me, or you know, have these cathartic releases because they can finally. Mm-hmm. You know, the the conditions are right for them to be able to fully unravel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unravel is a good a good word for it. Um, yeah, I like how you use the word cathartic as well. I I find that a lot of experiences that I've had um, with psychedelics or in the kink community as well have been very meditative mm-hmm. and cathartic. Yeah. And you also have a background, I mean, you're <laughs> a jack of all trades, <laughs> but you also have a background in yoga. So mm-hmm. has was that kind of your base knowledge that kind of made you have this like level of mindfulness, I think, maybe, or just awareness to, to move into this space of of therapy as well as kink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yoga was my first gateway drug. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I was 18 when I discovered it and I remember my first class laying there in Shavasana and feeling so safe and so relaxed and so 
good. Mm-hmm. It like brought tears to my eyes. And and after that, it was it was just like the first time that I'd ever felt safe in my body. I come from sexual trauma in my background, and it 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 got me curious and really hungry for more of that. So then I started teaching yoga at about nineteen twenty, and then just dove into the philosophy, the understanding, and. And um, when I decided I want to be a sex therapist at 21, I was like, you know, how can I integrate the yoga with the, with the sex therapy or with therapy in general? And that's what started my company, Sex Love Yoga, to see how yoga, you know, from a physiological standpoint, you know, the asanas and the breath work really helped to open the body and help to, you know, regulate the nervous system. Um, but then also the philosophy of it is such a beautiful way to conceptualize and to find relief from some of the pain and the suffering that we have. And so as this relates to sex, it's like, you know, sex on the physiological level, we need to have a healthy nervous system. We need to have an openness in the body. And we need to be able to change our states of being with our breath. And then, uh, you know, creating a sense of sacredness around it helps us to be able to you know, move some of the trials and the tribulations that we've all have it around sex because of this culture that we grew up in that causes us to, you know, whether it's have shame or whether it's shut down or, or um, segmentation of our erotic selves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well said. <laughs> um, yeah, there's so, there's so many facets to us as, you know, even our core erotic selves or there's so many um, different desires that we have. And you seem like you're a wonderful teacher to just unlock that within people, whether it's breath work, yoga, um, yeah, meditation or psychedelics or, you know, therapy. It's, it's incredible. So it's cool that all of your stuff is kind of all encompassing. I love that for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe in looking holistically at chal- at mm-hmm. problems. So I, if we look at just, yeah, you know, if we, if I have a client and they're not connecting on desire or, or sexually, I'm not going to tell them to just have a date night. I'm going to go in and help them see what the physiological aspect might be, what's the spiritual aspect, what's the emotional aspect, you know, the the mental. All of these things weave together. So uh, another um, another experience of this is people in kink. You know, uh, there's cha- there might be challenges of of the power dynamics, or there's like unconscious fears or shames that are going on. And it's, you know, these other tools I have found to be able to help them to learn surrender at a deeper level, you know, or to learn how to embody a power role better because we're attacking it not from, um, or we're addressing it not from, you know, dead on, but from the peripheral, which sometimes is what somebody needs for something to click in place, mm-hmm. especially where, where it's like chronically stuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. I've had some um, listeners that have, you know, there's like a little bit of a difference in their desires or their kinks, or I'm sure you deal with that so much. So I would love to hear if, you know, you have a relationship that comes to you and, and whether it's someone has a certain fetish that the other person is uncomfortable with, or Mm -hmm. maybe just their sexual energy levels are different. 
what would be some things that you would recommend for those people? Yeah, so I actually published some academic research on this exact topic where one partner is is vanilla oriented, more vanilla oriented, and the other one is more uh, kink oriented or identifying. Mm-hmm. And so how do they negotiate that aspect of their relationship? And so I saw qualities of um, both partners have the desire for fulfillment for the other. Meaning, I want you to have fulfillment. This is just a part of me that I'm having a hard time with. Every single one of them went to couples therapy. Every single one of them, um, uh, the partner who was not identifying in BDSM had um, a curiosity or an open-mindedness to learn about it. Where they weren't shutting down and closing out the other person, they were like, okay, I don't feel comfortable with this, but can maybe you can tell me more, or I'll go to a munch with you, um, a non uh, fetish attire, <laughs> you know, yeah. event where we can where I can talk to people, um, or go to a workshop. Let me try it out with you, and then in the end, most of them were saying that it still wasn't their thing, but they could understand their partner more. And then each of them had a uh, great otherwise sex life. So, so a bottom line, great sex life in this part was just the challenge. So, so, and from there, I think a lot of creative solutions can come about. You know, some people open their relationships. Some people um, have a, are able to negotiate with nuance of what what they would be okay with, or or how much of it, or. Um, what style of it or what aspect of the of the fantasy can they be open to? Um, maybe there's aspects that they need to have in place in order to feel safe enough to do it. So sometimes it's just looking at the thing and saying, okay, if this is the desire and this is the boundary, what within this spectrum is something that we can play with? So I don't believe in a you get what you want and I don't. The win-lose doesn't help. Mm-hmm. It's about figuring out how we can weave this together. A lot of times that I, what I see is that one person will have a primarily kinky um, language that their body speaks and the other person may need more sensuality with the kink to, in order for it to be more um, uh, digestible for them or more mm-hmm. open or enticing for them. Or sometimes one person wants, wants the kink um, and the other person needs more, they're more like a sexual, they're more like straight to the, the clit, straight to the orgasm, you know, mm-hmm. and, the, and, and this pump and circumstance isn't really that interesting for them. But if that person, the other person, um, takes the role of designing something and they allow their own creative juices to come out, and this other person doesn't have to do any of the planning, and they can just pop in and, and just be a part of it, then that's another way of finding the unique qualities of each person and how they can weave together versus, again, black or white, you get what you want and I don't. Yeah, that's that's perfectly said. I feel like I, I've guided some couples in similarly where it's, again, it's like you're not black, it's not black and white, but some people might have this specific kink or yeah energy around a specific fetish but if you think more about like why why that feels so good to you and like Mm -hmm. ask yourself those questions and be more curious then you really can figure out where you guys can overlap and Mm -hmm. like you said like maybe it is a bit more sensual I know for rope like I don't really love the 
power play dynamic mm-hmm. of it. Sometimes I do, but I'm a more sensual person. Yeah. So I'm like the the elements, like the the soft skin with the rough rope on it, you know, the the tension, playing with that tension and and just igniting kind of my body in yeah. a way. And so I think it's important for couples to realize that there's other elements of certain certain kinks that they could um, just connect on, I guess. So, yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah, and even exploring, you know, the person who has f- feelings around the fetish or the kink, um, you know, figuring out what their what their ideas are around it, you know, understanding and deconstructing what some of those ideas may be. Because we grew up in a culture that stigmatized BDSM and kink and power play mm-hmm. in movies and, and TV shows where they made it, you know, deranged. or They made it, you know, harmful and non-consensual. So I think a lot of people associate BDSM with violence, like non-consensual violence. And I get that all the time from people asking me, like, isn't this perpetuating violence? And it's not when we break it down to this is uh, consensual, this is chosen between two adults, this is built in conscious awareness, not unconscious Mm -hmm. awareness, and and there's a container around it. And so it's helping to re-educate the both individuals so that Mm -hmm. they're on the same page and even understanding. Because sometimes even the person who wants the kink they have shame around it too what does this mean about me that I want them to do this or that I want to receive this and and it's even helping them to understand the more the psychology and the normalcy and I don't even know if the word normalcy but <laughs> like that that it's that it's uh, that it's okay right and talking about the boundaries and yeah. all of that yeah for sure um you just mentioned you know the society that we grew up in and I just want to ask you something that I just thought of you know these taboo things that feel good to us that feel like kinks because they're taboo do you think you know I have this idea that there's the reason that we think they're kinky is because they're so taboo and because we grew up thinking that they're not normal and they're like a little bit naughty Mm. so the more like we educate people do you think these kinks will become like less fun and less taboo (laughs) I mean if we think about it people have been doing kinky activities their entire like for for centuries and people just didn't label it as kinky like how many people smack each other on the ass or bite each other you know Mm. or you know we've had handcuffs as a part of the sexual play and mainstream for some so long yeah and it's so it's like I don't think people realize <laughs> that, that they're doing kinky already um but kink is just more of like out of the conventional idea of what sex is which is missionary penetration you know heteronormative yeah, yeah. <laughs> idea of sex yeah yeah <laughs> um and genital orgasm so I think you know a lot of things can be kinky it's it's how do you, per, you know, from perversing something and you know transforming something that isn't traditionally sexual and making it erotic and mm-hmm. you know perverse, um, or just adventure really adventure just, yeah. yeah novelty mm-hmm. just pressing the edges but also you know taboo is one of the top qualities that contribute to increase of erotic desire so. If we, even if we make something taboo that isn't necessarily taboo, it puts energy into it. 
So, like, I know that I can, you know, tie anybody up and it's it's fine. But if I place in my mind the narrative that this is bad, this is naughty, I'm doing something, like, it can really transform something to give it more energy, more erotic, more desire than what it, you know, what Mm -hmm. it does. So I think the narrative that we tell ourselves also helps. Yeah, is that kind of the psych, the psych side of it, maybe? Or yeah, just playing totally. with your brain? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's got to be fun for, for you because you you know about the brain so well. <laughs> I love psychological play. Yeah. yeah. Like somebody can hold me in a position of, of, of um, submission or um, I'm going to say like predator-prey energy, which is like a power play of one person has a really dominating, like almost like, um, dominating energy that's like, I mean, like a tiger, right? You know, it's fierce and it's, it's like trying to eat you mm-hmm. and a prey that's more of like frozen. And somebody can do that to me with just words and just the energetic of their body and just the way that they look at me and, and say a command. So I love that shit so much. It's just like, like play with my mind. Yes. <laughs> love that. Do you um, have any other kinks you're interested in sharing? Oh, girl. Normalize kinks a little bit here. <laughs> oh, so many. I don't even, oh, God. I, so I, I, I dress in my, more of my daddy energy today. Yes, I love. I love, yeah, I love gender bending. I love playing with the concept of, of um, you know, really queering uh, roles in sexuality, um, whether it's, I have a tendency to be more natural as a, as a dominating or a topping figure with, um, individuals who identify as, as women. Uh, well, actually I take that back. I, I do that with every, (laughs) that's not true. Um, yeah, but I love playing the role of, of that and like wearing strap-ons and like playing with, with the, the penetrative energy mm-hmm. of it, you know, and, and um, just as much as I love to have the receptive energy of it um, or the receptive role of it. So you're um, a natural switch, I'm right? natural switch, yeah. switch, like full on, yeah, yeah. Oh, I and I that. And it's mm-hmm. interesting, too, because so as a, you know, as a psychotherapist, I love the psychology of how kink bleeds into our life as well. And so sometimes I notice when I'm not able to receive, of whether it's a partner in everyday life or, or um, uh, where I'm being more of a caretaker. A caretaker is very much like a, like a um, uh, mommy energy or daddy energy or, you know, like this, this dominant or topping figure. And I have to catch myself because if I'm so much in that energy, I cannot receive from, from a partner. And I'll notice that my body whole either contracts or or wants to stop or and I and I I'll recognize and I'll say you know what actually I notice I'm stuck in the topping energy I'm not going to be able to receive you and it's created so much more communication like better communication and ease of being able to rather than shaming myself as something's wrong with me or something's wrong with my partner my partner shaming them that they're not a good enough lover or not good enough dominant in these moments because it just like we can be in roles, and especially as a switch, that's it's just not natural for me to necessarily always be in one or the other. Mm-hmm. And so I just have to have the conscious awareness of where I'm at in a day and know, knowing like what I need to shift or what I need to actually consciously take on the role. And that comes with probably just 
I'm, I mean, it's mindfulness and awareness, but it probably just comes from time and experiencing and understanding the energy of your body, right? Like, it's just like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I'm just in a different energy right yeah. now. I just can't even think about being, receiving you, you know? Exactly. So that's, that's yeah. interesting. I've been more in my, um, you know, kind of, I guess, dominant masculine energy lately with building my brand and the podcast. Yeah. And I feel like I have to be, um, you know, I guess it's just like, I just feel more busy and on schedule and less like dancey and floaty, mm-hmm. which I feel like is more on like the receiving end so I can definitely relate to that like energy shift is mm-hmm. constantly changing yeah and we can shift like I, I think it's really healthy for us to have flexible roles you know we aren't I, I don't believe in the the construct of like you know because you have this type of body in genitals that you have to be this role or vice versa like mm-hmm. for us in especially in this modern day for us to be able to be fluid in these and and take care of what we need to do and, and, you know, be the boss of ourselves. And then also, if we want to be more fairy-like, you know, are we consciously doing activities and exercises to step into that state again? Rather than just, you know, it, it's hard to expect it to be different. You know, if we get off of work, are we having some sort of ritual for ourselves to melt the the armor or come out of our stiffness and, and, and be able to, you know, surrender again or be in the receptive role. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so it just empowers us to be able to have conscious awareness of where we're at and what, what we're embodying. And then if we want to change it, what do we need to do to be able to do that? Yeah. I love that. So you were kind of talking a little bit about, um, well, I guess I want to talk about trauma and kink. I know you said you had some sexual trauma in your past. Yeah. Um, I have as well. I think a lot of us have really, um, have you ever healed some of that trauma through kink or have you used psychedelics or probably yoga and breath work has helped a little bit? Like all what? The perfect cocktail of healing. Um, could, if you're comfortable sharing how yeah. that journey felt for you and yeah. what happened, I'd love to hear. Yeah, so much. Yeah. And to emphasize first, I think there's there's a myth that if you're into kink, that that means that you're fucked up or you came from trauma or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true statistically. Uh, there's so many people who've experienced trauma that just is. And, and it reminds us that um, this is just one avenue for healing. There's a lot of people who have sexual trauma and never get into kink. They're not interested in it. And so it's really important for us to just recognize that there's so many different tools for healing and everybody gets to choose what works for them. And, and just because you're interested in kink doesn't mean that you had sexual trauma. And just because you're interested in kink and you had trauma doesn't mean that you're replaying the trauma or whatever. Right, that they're correlated. They're just, they're, yeah. They're not, it's not always the It's case. not a causation. It's not a correlation. Right. Yeah, yeah. It just is a subset of population enjoys to do this. Uh, so, yeah, so we all get into it for different reasons. But uh, for me, kink, as it related to healing, um, it taught me a lot about learning the nuances of consent so from my experiences, both as a child and a young adult with, with sexual trauma, um, I had a tendency to freeze in my nervous system and not be able to say anything, not be able to access anything. 
And kink really taught me the importance of connecting to my body and communicating from that space, communicating what I need, communicating what my boundaries were. Before that, I really could not, I, I also didn't grow up with models that that taught me how to ask for what I needed. So those skills were not accessible to me. So this taught me a lot of that. It also taught me how I was in the power of the scene, which, you know, in past sexual trauma experiences, I'm not in consent. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not in a power role. The the power was taken away from me. You know, it was completely unconsensual. Um, So it was also a repatterning of power and what power meant. And then um, to also be able to experience a deep sense of surrender that I wasn't able to before. I was clenching a lot in my body. I was really not in my body, you know, growing up. And to be in a scene where I fully let go into the, the, you know, the, the surrender, the letting go psychologically, but also physically in my body, the armor just melted away and entering into this beautiful state of trance, you know, with subspace, being able to feel so safe that I could do that. And it wasn't, yes, my, you know, partner in these, um, the, the multiple partners that I've had in this contributed to that safety, but there was also finding that deep sense of safety in my own self, in my own body to be able to let go like that and that's happened with kink and that's also happened with psychedelics you know being able to enter into even deeper states of surrender that I've you know once I hit that deeper level now in life I've you know it's never not been able to go that deep again um so it it created this reference point of like deeper sense of surrender I would also say with psychedelics, it helped me to identify, you know, what self-love, mm-hmm. the concept of self-love, and, like, really understand from an embodied stance. I was like, oh, this is what I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. I've been, like, teaching self-love, love yourself, you know, like, all these fucking memes on Instagram that are like, just love yourself. <laughs> but it's it's one thing to just be pre- prescriptive about it, and it's another to actually embody it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, and then also I would say um, that... I was the source of my own arousal and I could turn my own self on. I didn't have to outsource it to another person. So in psychedelics, I'm like, oh, if I breathe in this way and I move in this way, wow, I can turn my own self on. And so, yeah, it's really empowering to know that outside of, of here, like I don't have to have somebody. And I, and I have my own personal solo kink practices that also allow me to go into these experiences or, or play with my own sensation and boundedness um, that I don't, again, have to have another person or wait for another person to do, too. That That's incredible. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, solo play is one thing that I always encourage as well. I mean, solo self-pleasure, too. Ultimately, I feel like it's a very, it's very healing and, um, you know, a lot of benefits to it. But what would what would that look like? Some solo play that that people could experience if they're not in a relationship or they want to explore um, their body in certain unique ways and have some novelty and adventure. Yeah. Uh, so it can be anything from like butt plugs. Like sometimes I, I clean my house mm-hmm. and wear a butt plug. <laughs> or, <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Or to use an enjoy and uh, make my own self squirt. So an enjoy is a. Um, 
a stainless steel with two balls on the end and it's, and it's curved it's like a little smiley face and using that on my g-spot mm-hmm. um, I also do wax play with my own self mm-hmm. um, I do self tying with with ropes um, yeah I would say those are my tend to be my go-to's yeah those are great yeah <laughs> yeah I have other sensation toys too like the the pinwheel the stainless steel pinwheel mm-hmm. um, Sometimes I take my toys and I warm them or I cold them, make mm-hmm. them cold, and I, I play with temperature. Yeah, temperature yeah. is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to do that more. I just recently got a candle, and I'd love to do wax and even just putting... I don't have a lot of stainless steel toys. Uh-huh. I think that's something where I'm lacking, but I do have, like, the pinwheel, and yeah. and that's... <laughs> could get really cold so I'm trying to think about ways that I can incorporate temperature more in mm-hmm. in my life so yeah yeah those are good ideas yeah <laughs> yeah well do you have any other kind of self-care practices or anything for people that you think um have benefited you in your experience or um, throughout therapy that you could encourage people to to do yeah I I think a lot of this comes down to the relationship that we have with our bodies. You know, whether that's, you know, us to be able to know what our boundary is or to know like when consent shifts for us or even to know what it is that we want. So I have three A's that I encourage people to do. The first one is attention. So how are you paying attention to the, the nuances of your body? The contractions, the expansions, the flutters, the nausea, you know, how are you listening to that? Uh, the second one is allowance. So how are you giving your body the permission to need what it needs without trying to override your body or without trying to tell your body that it's wrong, it doesn't need the rest, it doesn't need the pause, I'm just going to push through. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is affection. So how often do we caress our body or touch our body lovingly or gently or or affection? And, you know, it can be kinky too, but it's like just giving us that, uh, you know, loving attention to our body in whatever format that is that's great the three a's yeah the three I a's that. yeah is that a part of your book or is that just a part of your <laughs> therapy yeah so <laughs> I mean I am working on a book um and it will be in there as a part of it uh but the book that I have right now is called sex love yoga and it is a compilation of um psychological themes in poetic framework uh, mm-hmm. around the topics of sex, love, and yoga. And so it's it's very, uh, I love the medium of poetry because it gets you to feel. So for many of us who are cognitive and, and you know, um, more in the space of uh, thinking our way through things, we lose the art of feeling and that impacts our ability to process. And so when you read a really good poem, it makes you feel things. And you may not be able to put into words or into f- in what you've been feeling. And so it's almost like this um, heart recognition that I like to believe and also have heard have been really helpful for people in, in um, recognizing the confusion in their own selves around mm-hmm. those topics. So you're a poet. I am, I am many things. <laughs> I love that. I'm beginning to realize that about myself too, but I think that's the most successful, powerful energy is always doing anything that you desire and yeah, and following giving, your pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I like to kind of finish these episodes with, you know, this is the Sweet Release podcast. So I would love if you're interested in sharing that last time you had that sweet, sweet release. (laughs) As in an (laughs) orgasm. As in an orgasm. Oh, yeah. Let's see. So I have a... um, I also want to honor the anonymity of my partners and the consent of their <laughs> and the consent of them. Um, I will say uh, there once was a partner <laughs> where uh, his energy is very dominating, and and there are moments when I'm like in a, flus- a flutter of of things, and he's incredible at um, creating scenes where all I have to do is step in and everything is taken care of. And we go through, um, in this particular one, uh, I got to play out a role of, um, how would I say this role? Um, it was an animal, it was very feral. It was a feral animal. Oh and But it was more of like a, uh, so it was a submitting animal. I don't want to say a prey animal, but probably more of a prey animal than anything else, but definitely feral. And, okay, I love that. And, um, yeah, being able to... I love the the full... Like, the, the depths of pleasure that I can reach when I'm just chaotic and free and... and and just wild mm-hmm. and all over the place and like not even it's it's like my mind is not even connected into the the awareness of what's going to happen next it's just in pure chaotic flow and it was multiple multiple orgasms this is completely sober and just multiple orgasm after orgasm after orgasm and and in this experience um more of an intense experience than it was the sweet and sensual and, and, and gentle. I'm, I'm totally that as well. But in this sense, it was the the, the pure chaos. And, and that was... It was like full guttural, like, cervical orgasms, that body undulating. Was, <laughs> yeah. What types of orgasms? Yeah, energetic. Yeah. So body undulating. And then the guttural orgasms, which is like, um, you know, hitting at the cervix. And, and more like growls and more like... Like, ugh, sound, you know, like the deep resonating mm-hmm. sounds that come out of that. Yeah. I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> That's amazing. And thanks for sharing. Thanks mm-hmm. for sharing. Well, yeah, Dr. Cat, that's you're feral animal sometimes. It sounds great. And you're also the powerful jaguar. I wore my jaguar necklace today for you. It's like mm-hmm. the cat energy. The cat energy, yeah. <laughs> So if anyone wanted to, you know, seek your therapy or your services or um, read your books or just keep in touch with you, mm-hmm. is sexloveyoga.com the best place? Do you yep, wanna... sexloveyoga.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at sexloveyoga or you can find my podcast, Sex Love Psychedelics. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. I appreciate yeah. you sharing everything. My pleasure. Mm-hmm.